You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. We begin today's case in northern British Columbia, Canada, back to the hot summer of July 2019. Northern British Columbia is a scenic and beautiful place that extends up to the Yukon-Alaska border and is surrounded by forests, valleys, volcanic rock formations and mountains. A place where you can see anything and do everything, from hiking and fishing, to skiing and wild and open water swimming. One young couple taking full advantage of all that British Columbia had to offer was the free-spirited and adventurous 24-year-old China Deese and 23-year-old Lucas Fowler, who were on a much-anticipated mini-break together. Lucas came from a big family in Sydney, Australia, and was the son of a New South Wales chief inspector. He found his main passion in life at a young age, travelling, and as he got older he wanted to see as much of the world as he could. Hiking, camping, surfing, swimming, you name it, Lucas wanted to do it. It was this excitement for adventure that saw him embark on a two-year backpacking trip around the world. This would include spending time in Croatia, and it was here in 2017 he would meet his future girlfriend, China Dees, from North Carolina. She had studied in Europe and worked on a grape farm, saving up as much as she could, and in just a few years, she had visited 13 countries. Safe to say they were the perfect match and were in sync right away. Their families both loved each other and recognised that this was a relationship that would go the distance. They were full of happiness and joy just being together, Lucas's father Stephen said. The day she stole Lucas's heart, she became a part of the family. We were so happy he had met a life partner. China and Lucas spent as much time as they could together, despite the huge distance between them, and would talk for hours on the phone, reminiscing about their past trips and excitedly planning their future ones. In the two years they were together, they spent time in Central and South America, Japan and Southeast Asia. The couple spent Christmas together in America with China's family, before Lucas left to work on a ranch in British Columbia. Now that he had a visa, it meant that the 10,000 miles between the pair wasn't quite so big and scary anymore, and much more feasible to work around. China soon joined him for a short holiday out there, and it was here that the pair made a plan to road trip through Canada together over the coming summer. They wanted to see as much as possible on the journey, and their final stop would be Alaska. Lucas spent time doing up his 1986 blue Chevrolet minivan in preparation, and he and China couldn't wait for the break, doing what they loved most together. On the evening of July 13th, with the trip now several days underway, the couple pulled into a gas station in Fort Nelson, British Columbia. CCTV showed them embracing, content and without a care in the world before filling up their van and cleaning some of the windows. They paid and drove off. China, who had been texting her mother Sheila quite regularly, sent a message saying, We won't have Wi-Fi for a while, so don't worry mum, and I love you. The following day, however, about 200 miles away, they hit a bump in the road, 
Their van broke down along the Alaska Highway, known as Highway 97, near a popular tourist area, Liard River Hot Springs. A fellow tourist named Charles noticed the broken-down van and stopped to help. But Lucas was happy and chatty and assured him it was all under control. He said they would carry on trying to fix it. But if they had no luck, they would call a tow truck in the morning when they could get some phone service. Charles told them he was going to be camping about three miles away and would come back in the morning to check on them. He left them sitting on the side of the road, eating some food and happily embracing the situation that would likely stress most people out. At about 11.30 that night, with the couple still stranded and working on the vehicle, a road maintenance worker drove past. She saw a man with a beard talking to China and Lucas, and described him as seeming frustrated, and the conversation appeared heated. She didn't stop, but she said something about seeing that encounter gave her a bad feeling. If you just get a bad feeling, and that's what I had, you just don't stop, she later said. She recalled that both of the right doors of the couple's van were open and it looked as if the man with the beard had come from a grey car nearby, but she couldn't be sure. July 15th, 6.20am A trucker going down Highway 97 spotted something in the distance that instantly caught his eye. As he pulled closer, he realised what it was he was looking at. It was the bodies of China and Lucas. They were face down in a ditch about 10 feet from their van and about 15 feet from each other. They were both cold to the touch and had been dead for some time. He called someone over to help and started frantically trying to redirect traffic and stop people from driving through. The police were now receiving multiple calls about this and when they got to the scene at 7.20am they found the same trucker still doing his best to control the situation but clearly distraught and very traumatised at what he had driven into. China and Lucas had been shot to death and the medical examiner confirmed both entry and exit wounds. The van's back doors were open and the window was smashed. Nearby was five spent shell cases and China's phone. Lucas's phone was not found. Just after 9am, Charles, the other tourist that had talked with them the day before, kept to his promise and drove back to check on them. When he was met with police blocks in the road, he simply couldn't believe this had happened. Now to a murder mystery on a highway in Canada. An American woman and her boyfriend killed during a road trip. And while police aren't sharing many details, the big concern is that the killer is still on the run. This morning, an urgent manhunt in the mysterious murder of an American woman and her boyfriend in Canada. Their bodies found along the side of a rural highway. I don't know who would do something like this. This was someone's son, someone's daughter. China Deez's mother says the 24-year-old from Charlotte and her Australian boyfriend, Lucas Fowler, had just set out on a road trip to see Canada's national parks when they were killed sometime between Sunday evening and Monday morning. Their van found parked nearby. This is an international murder case in Canada of an Australian and an American. And still no large public travelers notice or anything. Now urging anyone who was on that stretch of Alaska Highway 97 in British Columbia and may have dash cam video from the area to call investigators who are desperately scouring for leads. Deez's family concerned the killer is still free. This morning they are pleading for answers. It doesn't add up and it's concerning 
and uh, we're never going to get full closure on this, and it's going to hurt the rest of our lives. And Fowler's father is a senior police officer in Australia. This morning, his colleagues say they've learned both victims were shot to death. Investigators in Canada are also clarifying that this does not appear to be connected to any other cases, and they call finding this killer their top priority. As word started to travel, the witness from the previous day gave the description of the man with the beard she saw talking to the couple. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police released a composite based on this and asked for anyone with dash cam footage to please come forward. Back in Australia, the news had also hit hard, and police over there offered their support to the Canadian authorities. Not only had they lost Lucas, but his father Stephen was a serving police officer, and they wanted to help him as much as they could. Who's deceased was the son of one of our serving police officers. So clearly, you know, what is a tragic event has been made all the more sadder for us knowing there's a son of one of our serving police officers. The RCMP, Wilkin Mount Police, an outstanding organisation. We have the utmost confidence in their capacity and capability to run this investigation. Um, but our commissioner has, has made a great decision to send over um, two officers to assist in the liaison, purely, you know, to assist the family. Another driver would then ask to talk to the police and told them that he had pulled over at the side of the road in the same area to take a quick nap. He said within five minutes of being parked, a small van drove past him and stopped about 50 yards ahead. A man got out of the passenger side, holding a rifle. He then started quickly moving towards him, holding the gun in a way the witness described as a hunting stance. The truck then started moving slowly towards him too. The driver put his foot down and sped off, fearing for his life. He couldn't see their faces and didn't want to stop to look. This investigation's in its very infancy, and it's not yet clear whether Lucas and China were targeted or if this was an opportunity, a crime of opportunity. At this point, we have nothing to indicate that their deaths are linked to any other active and ongoing investigations in that area of the province or that there's a heightened risk to public safety because of this. This is a unique um, circumstance in northern British Columbia. This is not, there's no indication that there's been a spike in any uh, crimes um, and, and that this is something that we're certainly, we'll, we appreciate the fact that, the, that these rumours are going out there but at this point there's nothing to indicate that these, that these rumours are true. As you know I may be an experienced police officer but today I'm standing here as the father of a murder victim. We are just distraught. This has really torn two families apart. Uh, our son, Lucas, was having the time of his life travelling the world. He met a beautiful young lady and they teamed up. They were a great pair and they fell in love. Hopeful of a positive outcome and obviously we're appealing along with the RMCP, for anyone to contact who may have any information whatsoever. I know there's been a lot of speculation, but look, as an experienced police officer, I know how these investigations go. My family and I are more than satisfied with the resources of the RMCP that they're putting into this, and I can tell you I am more than confident in the commitment of all the officers who are working on this case. Five days later, on the 19th of July, 
another disturbing scene would unfold, 300 miles away. Near Dease Lake in British Columbia, a burnt-out camper van was found. The number plate was still intact enough to run through the database, and it came back as belonging to 19-year-old Cam McLeod, who had been out on a road trip with his best friend, 18-year-old Briash Migalski. Cam and Briar were both from Vancouver Island and were colleagues at a Walmart. They had both recently quit, deciding to go to Yukon for work. They had left their homes on the 12th of July, a trip their family had described as a spur-of-the-moment one, but they were supportive nonetheless. The last anyone had seen of them before the van was found was when they had stopped for coffee at a place called Jade City, somewhere that was happy to offer a free coffee to drivers passing through. The owner of the store remembered them coming in, but said there was nothing unusual about their stop, and they didn't seem to be in any distress or trouble. And now, they were both missing, and their truck was burned and destroyed. To add more to the already unnerving story, about a mile away from the teen's burning van, the body of a man who had also been shot was found. He had no ID on him, so police released a sketch and description, He was believed to be in his 50s or 60s and had a big, grey beard. Although this was a nearly eight-hour drive from where Lucas and China were found, was it possible that all these cases were connected? To Canada now, where a murdered couple and the disappearance of two teens may actually be linked. Police in British Columbia released this sketch of a person of interest, and they're looking for answers after American China Dees and her Australian boyfriend, Lucas Fowler, were found dead. And so we recognize that there is a possibility that these could be linked. 48 Hours has previously reported on a notorious remote stretch of road near these crimes, dubbed the Highway of Tears. At least 18 women in the last 40 years have disappeared or been found murdered along it. As authorities investigate whether any of these new cases might be related, the victims' friends and family want answers. As authorities continue to look for the missing teens... The families of China and Lucas both flew in, faced with the unthinkable task of bringing their bodies home. Alan Shmigelski, Briar's father, said the last he had heard from his son was a text message, saying that contact would likely be scarce due to a lack of phone service. When he saw his son's and Cam's faces on a paper, only then did he realise they were both missing. Cam had last made contact with his family on the 17th of July, saying he and Briar had made it to Yukon, which was their intended final stop. So what had made them carry on so far past it? Or had they actually even made it there in the first place? There were so many questions. In the space of just a few days, three people had been killed, and two were now missing under deeply concerning circumstances. Dees Lake area investigation into the disappearance of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski, their vehicle recovery, and the discovery of an unidentified deceased male continues. That was the last time I had contact with my kid. That, that was, was it. on the 12th? On the 12th. Any idea what might have happened or theories that you're, that you're kind of coming up with at this point? Or? All I can think of is they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. No, they're both kids. They're non non-violent. Like they're they're 
good people. You would call them good people, eh? They're just young people, but they're good people. Never got in trouble or anything, right? And uh, I'm thinking that a murder was committed two kilometers away. And somebody decided, oh, let's take care of the witnesses. As the sketch of the third victim started circulating, a woman named Helen called in. She was the wife of 64-year-old Leonard Dick, and she thought the sketch looked just like him. Leonard had gone camping a few days before, something he did a lot, and up until the evening of July 18th, he had been texting Helen and his children constantly, but she hadn't heard from him since then. Although DNA testing needed to be carried out, they now felt strongly that this was the man. Leonard was described as a caring husband, attentive father, and a cherished lecturer, teaching botany at the University of British Columbia. His students loved him and found him fascinating, saying his passion for teaching and how much he loved what he spoke about inspired them to want to learn more. He had a dry and witty sense of humour that kept everyone entertained, and, as well as his job, he enjoyed drawing, writing short plays and poems, playing guitar, and, of course, the great outdoors. Despite the fact he was often presenting to huge groups at a time, his family said he could be surprisingly quiet and very private, hence the reason he loved his solo camping trips so much. He had just celebrated his 64th birthday, and on the 16th of July, he had packed up a small camping stove, some food and a tent, and had driven off in his Toyota RAV4, excited to explore more and learn as he went. He told his wife he wanted to find and photograph some grizzlies, and teach himself about the wildlife. On July 21st, some CCTV from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan came in, and this would change everything. Cameras had picked up none other than a grey 2011 Toyota RAV4, and inside of the car was Cam McLeod and Brian Schmigelski, the two missing teenagers. More footage showed Cam and Briar buying some black tape, which they put over parts of the car, seemingly in an attempt to disguise it in some way. Although, of course, this didn't work. It was quite clearly Leonard's car. A few days later, with it now safe to do so, a proper search of the burnt-out camper van was carried out. Officers found rounds of ammunition. Ammunition that matched what was found at both crime scenes. Just after this, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police issued a bombshell statement that the public had not been expecting. Today I'm here to request public assistance in locating suspects in connection to the Northern British Columbia investigations. Cam and Briar are no longer considered missing. The RCMP are now considering Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski as suspects in the Dees Lake suspicious death and the double homicide of Lucas Fowler and China Dees. We're asking for the public, if you spot Briar or Cam, consider them dangerous. Do not approach. Take no action and call immediately 911. The two teens that everyone was out looking for, praying to find them safe and well, were actually the suspected killers of China, Lucas and Leonard. Cam had a possession and acquisition licence, and before they had left Vancouver Island, they had purchased an SKS semi-automatic rifle and 20 rounds of ammunition. It turned out that just before the press release announcing that the pair were now wanted, 
Cam and Briar had actually been stopped by First Nation safety officers doing a routine alcohol check in Split Lake, Manitoba. With no alcohol found on them, they were let go and sent on their way. The safety officers had no idea the announcement that was to come, and by the skin of their teeth, the teens had narrowly evaded being caught and detained. Where they were now was anyone's guess. A day later, on July 23rd, a local man called Billy Beardy and his wife Tamara actually located the Grey Toyota near Fox Lake Cree Nation, north of a place called Gillam in Manitoba. This vehicle was also on fire, just burning away in the woods. Next to the car were some half-eaten pork chops, pots and pans, orange peels, keys, matches and various tools. As suspected, the car's number plate was linked to Leonard Dick, and DNA tests soon confirmed, just as his wife Helen had feared, Leonard was most definitely the third victim. Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski are facing murder charges in the death of Leonard Dick, the third victim in those killings in northern BC. We are now hearing from... Two days later, arrest warrants were issued for the two and named as official suspects in the deaths of China and Lucas as well. The search for the pair, which had actually started almost 2,000 miles away across three provinces, suddenly descended on the small town of Gillam close to where Leonard's car had been found by Billy and Tamara. Gillam has a population of less than 1,500 people and only one road going in and out. It was here that the police set up their base. The whole area was put on lockdown and officers told residents to be wary, to keep their doors locked day and night and to only leave the house if necessary. Search parties also found out into the surrounding areas, combing through everything as meticulously as possible. Alan, Briar's father, then heard on the news that not only was his son missing, but he was actually a suspect in a string of awful crimes. My heart just sank. I told myself there's a mistake, there's got to be a mistake, he recalled. Cam's girlfriend then contacted the police and told them that he had sent her a text message on the 13th of July telling her he would not be returning home. It was a very cryptic and unexpected message. The police presence in Gillam was immense and they felt strongly that without a vehicle and with the whole world now watching, they were probably in this area and laying low. The mayor said the town had gone from seeing maybe two or three police officers over a couple of days to hundreds patrolling the streets morning, noon and night. Billy said it was tough to see so much police presence there when the car had been found in Fox Lake Cree Nation. His small and scared community didn't even have working streetlights let alone the authorities' support. At the end of July, however, police announced that they were pulling a lot of the resources that were going into the hunt, calling it a phased withdrawal. By this point, the search had been going on for about a week. Police had searched almost 4,000 square miles, followed up on over 1,000 tips, knocked on over 500 doors, including those of the teen's parents, and had even been working with the military. There were drones helicopters, crisis negotiators, dogs and hundreds of people involved in the searches. Alan said he believed his son was in a lot of pain mentally and wanted to die in a confrontation with the police. They're going to go out in a blaze of glory. Trust me on this, that's what they're going to do, he said. The families of both teens were begging them to come home and turn themselves in so they could deal with whatever had happened together. 
Just as resources and teams started being pulled, police got two more tips. Some members of the Bear Clan Patrol of First Nations Neighbourhood Watch Group said they had spotted whom they described as two tall, slender individuals digging around near a landfill before they ran away into the woods. But this was in York Landing, almost 80 miles away from where everyone was looking. The Mayor of Gillam said that if they had actually made it all the way there, he was almost impressed, as it would be pretty impossible to do without being caught. But after looking, police said they couldn't substantiate this claim. Canada manhunt day eight. The search for those two most wanted Canadians continues today. Disappointing yesterday because the RCMP had placed a lot of stock in a tip that they got at a place called York Landing, about 200 kilometres from where we are here. That turned out to be unsuccessful. They searched from Sunday night into Monday and found that they could not locate the two suspects of the tactical units, the emergency response team or the RCMP, they are here, they are awaiting orders to go out and perform more searches, but this is an active investigation. They have police dogs, they have all kinds of RCMP logistics here, mostly from Manitoba, there's some from Alberta who've also been brought in, uh, and of course residents here wondering when this is all going to end. They have been on edge for the last week wondering when the two suspects were going to be caught, when their lives would be able to go back to normal. Back to you. Billy Beardy was now involved with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in a big way and was almost spearheading the searchers, guiding them on where to go and leading the way. When authorities realised just how knowledgeable Billy was when it came to the area and the terrain, they knew they had to use it. The team started going back along the Nelson River by boat, and it was here that they found Cam's backpack, with a box of ammunition inside, along with his wallet and some clothes. They also located a toiletry bag belonging to Leonard, and a sleeping bag. Billy pointed out that the water was so fast moving and there were so many swells. These items definitely hadn't just washed up there, they had been dumped there, indicating that the pair were still on foot, but likely slowing down and struggling. They were clearly getting rid of excess weight and baggage as they were becoming more tired and hungry, fighting a tough terrain that was teeming with insects and bears and filled with swampy areas that you could sink into very quickly, all this only being exacerbated by the sweltering heat. Billy said that if you went into some parts without any help or knowledge, the land would not forgive you and it could prove fatal. Some parts were so inhospitable and treacherous, even the locals wouldn't dream of venturing out. It is really hard to comprehend just how expansive, dense and dark so much of this area is, and although police admitted it was simply not possible to get the manpower to search every single part of it, they did seem to be closing in on them, given the clues they were finding. On August 2nd, as helicopters and drones slowly flew back over the Nelson River, a small and damaged boat was spotted along the shoreline. The teens' families were still praying they would turn themselves in and be found safely, with Cam's dad saying, We try to wrap our heads around what is happening and hope that Cam will come home to us safely so we can all get to the bottom of this story. But Alan said he was now coming to terms with the situation at hand. Initially, you know, it, it, looked, it looked like they were victims as well, right? initially but both of them have to have a lot of pain inside both of them a normal child doesn't travel across the country killing people 
child in some very serious pain does. Mounties are going to shoot first and ask questions later. Basically, he's going to be dead today or tomorrow. I know that. I would say... Rest in peace, Byron. I love you. I'm so sorry all this had to happen. I'm so sorry that I couldn't rescue you. Billy was still in charge of operating the jet boats, and with a team of Royal Canadian Mounted Police on board, they went down the river for a final time. Whilst out in the water, Billy spotted a raven jump in a riverside ravine. This caught his attention immediately, as he knew this indicated some sort of carcass had to be around for it to be feeding on. Any kind of bushman knows that if there's a raven there, he's eating something, he said. Billy knew in his gut that they needed to focus more of their attention in this exact area. And on August 7th, 2019, exactly where Billy stopped the boat and saw the raven, authorities found two bodies. Near the creek, just off from the Nelson River, amongst some bushes, were the bodies of 19-year-old Cam McLeod and 18-year-old Bryash Migelski. Almost 2,000 miles from where it had all started on the highway, the hunt had finally come to an end. The teenage suspects in the shooting death of an Australian tourist and two others have been found dead in a remote part of Manitoba. This morning... At approximately 10 a.m., our CMP officers located two male bodies in the dense brush within one kilometre from where the items were found. This is approximately eight kilometres from where the burnt vehicle was located. At this time, we believe these are the bodies of the two suspects wanted in connection with the homicides in British Columbia. To the families of everyone affected by the series of events over the last few weeks, I know it has been so very difficult and I hope today's announcement can begin to bring some closure. Billy then spent the next 13 hours going back and forth, bringing all the police and experts in and out by boat. Officers admitted they really would have been lost without him. The medical examiner couldn't exactly say when the pair had died, but they determined that Cam had shot Briar before shooting himself in what they believe was a pact. Next to Cam's body was one of the rifles, and the other was still loosely in his grasp. A digital camera actually belonging to Leonard was also found nearby. It had six videos and three images on it, which included one of Briar posing with one of the semi-automatic rifles and a selfie of Cam. In the first video, both teens took responsibility for all three murders, but gave no motive as to why they had done it. In the second video, Briar talks to the camera and explains that they have reached the Nelson River, intending to take the boat out and flee. But because the current was so strong, he said they may have to kill themselves. Cam agreed. And in the third video, they seemed to change their mind and said they planned to kill more people by taking the boat and going to Europe or Africa and carrying on their killing spree there. The other videos, however, went back to their plans to take their own lives and expressing their desire to be cremated if they were found. Police described the videos as cold, remorseless and matter-of-fact. Briar's father, Alan, said he wanted to see the videos for himself and said he just couldn't believe that this had all happened. Police said it didn't appear that either one of them was the driving force or the ringleader. It seemed they were both equal and willing partners in everything they were doing. 
Despite the public and media asking questions, and Alan asking to see the tapes, detectives have never released them. They believe that Cam and Brian may have made the videos for notoriety, and releasing them would be seen as an insult to the victims. Based on the firearms lab results, crime scene examination, timelines of suspects and suspect recorded admissions, we believe that no other suspects were responsible for the three homicides or were involved in any way. A digital camera belonging to Mr. Dick was also discovered. It contained six videos and three still images. The RCMP has chosen not to release the videos. Releasing them would not only be disrespectful to the families of the deceased, who are also concerned about the impact of the release, but it could sensationalize the actions of the suspects. The RCMP Behavioral Analysis Unit conducted a review of the videos and was concerned with a behavior called identification, which is considered a warning behavior in the context of threat assessments. The videos may influence or inspire, inspire other individuals to carry out a targeted act of violence, essentially creating copycats. According to sources, there were some red flags. Friends said that Breyer was obsessed with Hitler and the Third Reich and purchased lots of memorabilia. He also had a fascination with guns from a young age. Alan said although this had left him deeply upset and riddled with guilt, he also recognised that his son needed professional help. He described Briar's early life as troubled, and when Alan and his wife Deborah had divorced, this had affected his son a lot. He recalled that he took solace in YouTube and video games, seldom communicating or sharing his feelings, becoming slowly more and more introverted. Briar would often say to his friends when playing shooting games, what if this was real? Can you imagine if this was real? Getting very excited about this idea, in a way his friends never were. And found odd. Cam's family said they couldn't believe this was the quiet, polite and kind young man they all knew. Helen, Leonard's wife, said, the family should not feel guilt for the way they raised their boys. It has nothing to do with that. It's those boys' decision to take lives. And why they decided to do that, it isn't important. What's important was that they did it. And I feel they'll face the consequences of that. I think they did at the end. For nearly three weeks over the summer of 2019, what would be one of Canada's largest nationwide manhunts had gripped not only the locals, but the rest of the world as well. An extensive search covering thousands of miles that ended just as mysteriously as it had started, with no motive, no reason, no answers, and no closure for anyone. No one will ever know how everyone happened to come into contact with each other and what took place when they did. Billy Beardy, who had been so vital in helping bring this case to a conclusion, would later be honoured by the Kiwatin Tribal Council for his contribution to the search efforts, with people calling him a pillar of the community. He was presented with a star blanket and an eagle feather. Every patch on the quilt represents a person, and it means you are surrounded by those who love, support and will protect you. Billy's wife said she was so proud of him, but was sad that he hadn't been treated like one of the team. He had been out there day in, day out, with no protection, safety gear or life jacket, and he could very easily have lost his life in trying to help. The lead investigator acknowledged this and apologised. In October 2019, Billy was elected chief of Fox Lake Cree Nation and was also later honoured by the Gillam Royal Canadian Mounted Police. 
One has to wonder if he hadn't spotted the raven, recognised what it meant and turned the boat back around, how much longer the search for the teens would have gone on for, and if they would ever have been found at all. It is a senseless case that still grips people to this day, and one that will leave everyone guessing and clutching at nothing but speculative thoughts and ideas. The Assistant Commissioner Kevin Hackett said it was one of the most dynamic and unpredictable cases in his memory, which brings today's episode to somewhat of a conclusion. Doris, Leonard's sister, said if there was anything positive to come out of her brother's death, it would be all the people coming forward to speak about how much he had impacted their lives. She took comfort in that, even though she knew the ever-private and humble Leonard would have hated every bit of the attention. China's mum Sheila said she would look at the CCTV of them in the gas station all the time. I watched that video over and over. I kept seeing new things and watching that embrace that they had. I could hear them saying, let's do this, here we go. Saying it was their purpose to travel the world together and what they had seen and done at such a young age was remarkable. The families, friends and loved ones of China, Lucas and Leonard described the loss as profound. They hope that everyone will remember them for the kind, giving and adventurous way in which they love to live and not for the awful ways in which their lives so cruelly came to an end. (laughs) 